working with children is that kids want real. They want to know what's Mm -hmm. real. They don't want to be dumbed down. They don't want to be, feel like we're kind of like, you know, just pacifying them a little bit or Mm -hmm. just giving them Yeah, placating. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Do you desire to involve your children in your pregnancy, birthing, and immediate postpartum experience, but feel a bit uncertain as to how to prepare them? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 176 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Kelly Jenkins, a certified professional midwife and author of The Midwife's Visit, a children's book depicting and explaining what goes into a prenatal visit with a midwife. This episode is full of wonderful, easily attainable ways to discuss birth and midwifery care with your children no matter what age. Kelly will be giving us such wonderful examples of how to involve your children and bolster their self-confidence. I am so excited to dive in. Before we do so, I'd love to thank this week's reviewer of the week, Eileen Bean 829 who writes, A Gift to Expectant Parents. I love this podcast. I am preparing for my third natural birth, second home birth in the spring. I love hearing other mothers' unique and life-giving experiences. I've been sharing the podcast with all the people, even my mother-in-law, who of course is still talking about her birth experiences 30 years later. My wish is for all mothers to be able to look back on their births fondly. It is an experience we carry with us forever. Now, I would just love to be on the podcast, haha. Eileen, thank you so much for this wonderful review. If you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a podcast sticker and hear more about your birth stories. And you know what? You are so right. Labor may only last for one day, but the memories of the experience, how we were cared for, how we were listened to, those will last our entire life through. My goal is exactly the same as yours, Eileen, for mothers to look back on this experience with utter fondness, to revel in the memories of the day that they courageously brought forth life. If your plan is to give birth at home, I would love to help you plan and prepare for that very experience. It's what we do inside of Happy Home Birth Academy, knowing that a familiarity with the birth process and with the tools and techniques that we can use throughout labor is a beautiful way to ready ourselves to give birth in a way that leaves us feeling powerful. In Happy Home Birth Academy, we know that it's integral to have the support of your spouse, to communicate effectively and to be on the same page, to feel like the team that you already are. You created life together, and now we prepare to give birth to this life so very similarly and intimately. Birth is a connecting, gluing experience if we allow it to be. And when you prepare through Happy Home Birth Academy, you will so excitedly await your turn to live out this one-of-a-kind transformation. Are you ready? Join me today at myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA and 
and be on the lookout for more information about the Home Birth Collective, which will be starting up very soon in the coming weeks, maybe a couple of months as I continue to get our guest lectures lined up and to get all of this content created for you. But it's so much more than childbirth education. It's really childbirth integration and assimilation. And I cannot wait to provide this type of experience that is really unlike anything else that I have seen being offered. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. You can go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash collective to be on the wait list and to be ready to go as soon as it launches. Okay, with all of that being said, let's get started with this amazing interview with Kelly. Please remember that Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. My own Thanks for having versa. me. Looking forward and to this it. Show is not yeah, I'm advice. thrilled to have you. It's, it's always fun to tool. get so a midwife's opinion of things. So I'm thrilled to have you. And, and I would love it if you would take just a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, let's see. Um, my name is Kelly Jenkins. I'm a certified professional midwife or CPM in the state of Virginia, um, outside of D.C., probably 60 miles outside west of D.C., um, I've been a um, midwife for our licensed midwife since 2013, but I've been in the birth world and community since probably for the past, let's see, 30 years. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's amazing. I always love to hear how women got into the birth world and then of course midwifery as well. I feel like these stories are just always so interesting and varied. So what was it that led you to the birth world and then on to midwifery care? Well, I've always been interested in midwifery care or actually not so much midwifery care because I didn't even know about midwifery care, but um, just pregnancy and birth from the time I was a really little girl, just always really curious about it, really interested in it. I was had the opportunity to be around um, my aunt specifically who was having her children when I was small. Um, and she was always so welcoming and bringing me into um, her pregnancy and breastfeeding and just made it very natural and um, just not a big deal. And so just as I grew and, and eventually got married and had my own child, I knew that I wanted to. I'd heard a little bit about home birth back 33 years ago, but um, not a whole lot out there did want to try and do a natural birth, did the Bradley method. That was kind of a little bit, you know, still up and coming. Um, and so uh, went through that childbirth education class and it just kind of cemented what I always knew about myself, you know, that I just of my, of my interest. Um, and then after the birth of that, of my first daughter, I decided to become a childbirth educator and did that. Um, took about a year for me to accomplish that. I started teaching classes in my home and started offering labor support. Back then, it wasn't doula, wasn't really a word. It was labor support. And so I did labor support for a lot of my students, um, mainly hospital labor support, although I did, a, did some home births too. And then through that avenue, met a lot of midwives and a lot of other birth workers. And um, 30 years later, here I am. Mm. Oh, that's incredible. I love the fact that it, it goes back to your aunt allowing you to be part of her experiences. And one thing that you said really stuck out to me just related to my own experience, but I had never really seen 
someone breastfeed before. My mom breastfed my sister for a while when I was young, but I don't remember it very much. Um, but my midwife, it was actually after I met my midwife, who wasn't my midwife at the time, but I began apprenticing with her. My first meeting with her, she nursed her baby in front of me. It was the most normal, casual thing in the world. And I am so grateful for that. I will forever be grateful at the normalization of breastfeeding and the normalization of motherhood and early motherhood. So that's so beautiful that that experience happened to you. And it seems that those types of experiences clearly had quite an effect on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, my younger brother is 18 months um, younger than me. And I had always heard the story about how that my mom's labor with him went so fast that my aunt delivered him accidentally at home and that I was there. My dad was holding me watching and I'm sure I don't have a memory of that. I think my memory is probably just you know, my um, knowing the story and imagining myself there. Um, but the fact that she was born home and I can remember, or he was born at home and I can remember from an early age thinking, well, why did they go to the hospital? <laughs> you know, if he was already born, if he was already out, why did they go to the hospital? Um, but you're right. You it already is. did it, right? You're done. <laughs> right, you're done, exactly. And so it really, just having little experiences throughout my life that normalized it from the birth of animals at home and being a part of, mm. I remember we had a dog that had puppies and I woke up in the morning and there were puppies. And my mom told the story about how my dog needed help. And I thought, I want to help. I want to do that. <laughs> And so um, you're right. It's it's all the little it's all the little things um, that normalize it. From you know from animal husbandry to just being around people that are very comfortable with their bodies and comfortable with their choices enough to share them with the children around them and with other people um, and not be ashamed or embarrassed by it. Mm, that's a that is such a powerful point. Just that just feeling that comfort of knowing what you are doing is right for you and being able to just openly express it because yes, you're just so confident in what it is that you're doing and what you're providing for your family. That's, oh, that's wonderful. And I think that that really is going to play into further discussion that we'll have about your book because in a lot of ways, that's what your children's book does as well. Um, so, okay. One thing that I um, want to think about is, actually, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the book because <laughs> some of my questions are related to that. You created a, um, a children's book about midwifery care. Could you explain that and how that came to be? Sure. Well, first I, I've always loved writing. I've always loved writing. I, um, have always been a journaler and I've always written down ideas of things to write about. And, um, that's just been an avenue of expressing myself and being creative in that way. And I always knew that I wanted to write it, write children's books. I love children. I love communicating with them. I love um, all through, I homeschooled all of my kids and we did literature-based um, history. And so a lot of read-alouds were just a part of their childhood and just uh, knowing how much the written word communicates and normalizes and makes things comfortable. Some, you know, so when you have those sticky situations and being able to find a book, whether it's a child's first time going to a dentist or whether it's a new baby coming into the house or something frightening or um, that how books provide that kind of medium to be able to 
allow a child to maybe allow an adult to communicate with a child, but, but, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that makes it comfortable for both of them. And so um, I just always wanted to write children's books, always wanted to write a children's book, knew I always would, but didn't quite know how, didn't quite know where to start, didn't know the timing. Um, and it came about where I actually had, so I knew I had it and I actually wrote this book a while ago and just put it back in a PDF, just put it aside. Um, and then I met someone who had written and illustrated another children's books book. And so I just reached out and started asking questions like, how did you do this? How did you, you know, I learned about all the different types of publishing opportunities and, um, self-publishing and indie publishing and traditional publishing and hybrid publishing and educated myself on what those meant and how to do them. Um, and it was through that avenue that I found my publisher and decided to go just, it, it really was kind of at the beginning of COVID when things all kind of locked down and slowed down, although my work got a lot busier during that time. Yeah. I, you know, it also, you find yourself, even though I'm out of my house a lot, you, you know, with COVID, we all found ourselves inside our homes and I just gave me some more time to really research it. And so I started doing that. I connected with a publisher um, and kind of pitched my idea. I already had the PDF written. And so I sent it over to her and she said, absolutely, we want to do this. She said, "It's this is really needed. And I also did some research of looking on Amazon and looking at all the books that I had ever seen on birth and children and either found them a little too cartoonish for me or, um, oh, I don't know, you know, just not my style and really want things that what I've learned about having children and working with children is that kids want real They want to know what's Mm -hmm. real. They don't want to be dumbed down. They don't want to be, feel like we're kind of like, you know, just pacifying them a little bit or just Mm -hmm. giving them Yeah, placating. Yeah, totally. They're so aware of that. And they really want to know what's real Um, at the same time without giving them more than what they're asking for, you know, having it be timely. And so, um, so I sent it off to a publisher. I actually also had in my um, kind of as I was waiting for the book to start, um, I had been been thinking about a publisher or I'm sorry, an illustrator and what I wanted the illustrations to look like. And I was at one of my clients house and on her six week postpartum visit, I happened to look up on her wall and there was this beautiful picture of her daughter. And it was so lifelike that I thought maybe it was a black and white photograph. And when I got closer to it, I realized that it was a pencil drawing. And I said to her, who did that? And she said, that would be me. (laughs) And I was like, wow. And immediately I knew that that was the type of artistry that I wanted in my book. Um, where that it would be um, real to kids. It would not, not a cartoon, not something with a whole lot of color to it, but something that would kind of be timeless and, um, but yet attractive to them too. Yeah. I think that was one of the most special things about the book was realizing this was a client and these were, I mean, this was her family, right? Right. Definitely. So the way it works is, is Dorothy illustrates off of photographs. And I have a lot of birth photographs. You know, I have clients that have hired professionals that I have access to that they've given me permission. I have pictures that people have shared with me. And, um, but she works off of 
photographs, but in order for her to do a you know really great illustration, it needs to be a certain quality photograph with the right lighting and shadows. And so um, she happened to be pregnant. And I said, well, what if we just used you? What if we, I, I never specifically thought of myself as the midwife in the book. I just had it written as a story of a midwife. And um, right. another client of mine is a photographer. And so I asked her if she would come over and photograph a prenatal visit with Dorothy and myself and her children, like we always do. And she said, of course. And so we spent an afternoon, We Dorothy and I sat down and kind of talked through the book and what pictures we might like. And um, and then we translated that to Hillary. And we spent probably, oh, I don't know, an afternoon with the kids and doing a prenatal visit. And there were a lot of pictures that didn't get put in the book that, you know, that still are just a great story. But um, that was a lot of fun to be able to work with two people that I love so much and, you know, doing just what I do every day. I felt like that that really translated to the book as well. I agree. I would definitely agree with that. It was a perfect representation of just a normal prenatal visit. You know, right. this is what goes on. This is right. how we interact with a family. And mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that certainly stands out to me, but I would feel confident certainly stands out to many other moms, especially during the time that you wrote and prepared this book during COVID where moms weren't allowed to take their kids to, you know, right. hospital prenatals and all of these different places, showing just the humanity and the the way that midwives really cater to the entire family and bring along young kids and educate them on what's going on on their level. It was just, it was so beautiful to, to watch in reality. And then to see that so perfectly portrayed in this book was incredible. Yes, it's, it really, it's, yeah. it's so much a part of my life and what I do. Sometimes I don't really even think about, you know, and it's, I'm almost a little um, disappointed when I go to somebody's house and they've, this is maybe their first time with doing a home birth and they keep their kids away, kind of like you do if you're going to the doctor's office. You know, a lot of times because people have their prenatal visits during the middle of a work day, husbands aren't involved or children are not involved because you go to an office and um, and at home because I do home visits, I travel into people's homes. It just becomes a very normal part of a child's life is to have the, the midwife come and visit. Um, and it's, you know, there are some prenatal visits that I sit and read books to kids and I sit, you know, it's just, it just becomes a really normal part of our day. Um, so that then hopefully when I'm there, maybe in the middle of the night <laughs> and they wake up and I'm there, it's not, it's like, oh, she's here. You know, it's not, um, it's not a scary thing for them at all because they've gotten used to me. They know who I am. They know what I'm there for. Um, and so it's, it's normal for them. Right. Yeah. There's a, a level of trust there when you know who this is, you've, I mean, and a lot of times, you know, their hands are on their mom's belly right alongside yours. You know, there's such connection there. And that was one of the things that I wondered about and wondered if you could explain more deeply is by having your children involved in that prenatal process, what do you think some of the benefits are to that? And obviously we just said one of them of just knowing you. And when you come back, it's not something shocking or confusing, but what are some other things that come to mind? Yeah, definitely the trust, um, definitely the trust and the comfort of seeing me in their home. Um, I think, which I think even is a little different. I used to work for a birth center and so the kids would come to the birth center, which was great. 
but then having me in their home was still kind of strange. Um, so yeah. giving them a certain comfort level um, of having me there, having me touching their mommy, which for some kids can be a little off good. So in addition to setting up trust with the kids, I think that that, I mean, I think there's a couple different things with that. It's trust as far as the person that's coming into their home. They're not a stranger. Um, I, that's normal to them to see me in their home, but then also trust with them where their mama's concerned. You know, I'm touching her, I'm touching her belly. She's exposing her belly to me. It's not many people that, you know, moms expose their bellies to, um, to doing blood pressure and vitals. And at first, when I start going into a house, you know, you've got kids that are a little like, Hmm, what's she here for? What's she doing? And, um, they're really not sure what is happening and whether this is okay. And they watch their moms really close. So like, is this okay with her type of thing? Um, and so it builds that just really that overall trust with me being in their home, me being there with, um, with their mom and then trust with what I'm telling them. You know, I share with them what we're looking for and why we're here. And sometimes I'll even ask them, do you know I'm here today? Um, and it's always interesting to kind of get their response you know, of why they think that I'm there. Um, I've even been to some home. I, I've had two homes where I've walked in the door and the kids, you know, I'm like, do they know why I'm here? And the mom's like, no, we thought we'd let you tell them. And I was like, oh, that's quite a privilege to be able to do that. But um, so it's, it's trust with what I'm doing and then the information that I'm giving them um, as they become more and more comfortable with me, um, with me in their home, and then them being feeling free to ask me questions about about their mom's body and about the baby that's in the body. And of course, as you can guess, a num so many questions come out of that. Um, and, uh, you know, how the baby gets in there, how the baby gets out of there. Um you know, to, and then just, you know, just really as we, as we talk through and, and talk through what's happening and, and then on to what the birth will be like, and that I'll be in their house and that I'll be, they might wake up in the night and they see me. Um, and then I'll be back after the baby's born. And it's, it's just, I think that word trust just hits so many different areas, um, for them just, you know, they get so comfortable with me in their house that, you know, anything goes, you know, I'm just there. And sometimes I go in the bathroom and wipe the bottoms while mom's over here helping with this one. And, um, you know, it's, it's really just a level of comfort that I think even more so that goes from trusting somebody to then being totally comfortable with them in, in the house. Um, and that I'm pretty particular as far, I'm not particular. I'm, I, I say the same things over and over again. I think they learn to trust what I'm, the words that I'm using and that I'm saying to them and that I'm not going to talk down to them, um, that I talk to them just in the same voice that I'm talking to you right now, um, and that I have answered lots of questions many times over and over again. And so I, I do have the answers. You know, I do kind of know what kids are looking for. Um, and as well as kind of it teaches parents how to talk to their kids and how to answer for them and how to the terminology to use as well. And so then the kids are hearing the midwife's terminology and they're hearing it out of their mom, too, that it's the same. And that they'll also hear their mom say, well, that's an interesting question. Why don't we ask Kelly when she comes? Um, and so that happens a lot where I go into somebody's home and and the mom's like, we have some questions for you today. And I'm like, great. Um, cause I, I really do, I'm not, 
afraid of kids' questions. I'm not like, oh no, um, I enjoy their questions and I feel like they know that. They know that I'm thoroughly enjoying their question and totally respectful of their questions and that there are no silly questions. There are no um, stupid questions. You know, there's no, they're not going to be um, laughed at when, at least by me, with the questions that they have. And so that word trust touches all kinds of areas where this is concerned, definitely. Oh, I love that answer. And I mean, it definitely sounds like a homeschool mom answer too. <laughs> like, you know, like, I love your questions. Yeah, <laughs> Ask course. more questions. Let's talk oh, about this. That's deeper. such a good question. Yeah. I had a little one say to me, you mm -hmm. say that all the time. And I was like, yeah, I do. Cause you have really good questions, you know? Um, exactly. So. I can't help it. You're a very good question asker. Yeah. And then I think it's, you know, it's the trust of the kids, but it's also the trust of the moms as they see that I'm going to answer questions in an age appropriate way. Um, I'm not going to give them mm -hmm. too much. I'm not going to, um, I think sometimes if you grow up where pregnancy, um, you know, the female body, just the way your body works is not talked about. It's kind of secretive or it's, um, you know, it's not shared with you in a really healthy way, then then the kids pick up on that because if you're uncomfortable with your body or how it works or explaining how it works, if you don't know the words to use, if you're afraid of giving too little or too much, or a lot of people will stop with, you know, ask themselves, oh my gosh, what if I answer this question? And it goes to this question. Um, and so they'll kind of keep the questions low. Um, and so they can watch me do it and hear me do it. And you know, I know when to stop too. And I know that, you know, it's, um, you know, the words to use for them, you know, whether it's a good time for that question or it's not a good time for that question or, um, and so it's, it's teaching the children as well as the parents really. That's a great point. And actually I'd, I'd love to ask a little bit further about that because that's something that as a mother, I've worked really hard to facilitate that balance of, okay, what's the right answer to give you that's appropriate to where you are in development and what you need, but not beyond what you need to, you know, right. things that you're not even going to understand yet. Do you have any advice for moms about that of, you know, how do I, how do I answer these questions and how do I not be scared that maybe they're going to ask that next question? Yeah, I think first of all, it's to kind of remain calm, <laughs> take a deep breath, mm -hmm. um, answer the question that they're asking, not more than what they're asking. Um, and I think it's sometimes, like I said, we don't we don't allow them to ask more questions because we're kind of afraid of where those questions will go. And if you don't have the answer, ask them a question, you know, to kind of get an idea of exactly what they are asking because. I've been at some families where they want to know how the baby comes out and the mom feels like it has to be this big answer. And really they just wanted to know, does it come out of their belly button or not? You know, they, it's, they don't really want the whole talk. They, they really are just wanting that one little, you know, one, this one simple question. And so sometimes asking more questions. Um, but I can remember, I don't know if you've ever read Corey Timboom, but she gives the example in one of her books about how she asked her husband, I think it was her dad. I think maybe it was something to do with sex and he was a clock builder and he told her to go across the room and try and pick up one of these big, heavy 
clock boxes that's made out of wood. And so she did. And she said, I can't. And he said, why can't you? And she said, because it's too heavy for me. And he said, that's why I'm going to save that class. They answered that question for when you're a little older and a little stronger, just like I'm not going to ask you to carry that box to me until you're a little older and a little stronger. And that, you know, that example has always stuck in my head that we don't want to give kids the answers to questions that are just too heavy for them to carry right now. Um, you know, it's it's just because they can form the words of a question doesn't necessarily mean they need the whole answer. And so mm-hmm. it's treading forward slowly and asking questions as you go, because, you know, like I said, we might think that they need the big, full talk. And instead, they just want to know, is it going to happen today? You know, and it's that's mm-hmm. and then you're like, nope, not today. And they're like, OK. And they go on, you know, with their day. Um, and then I think that's it's a always a beautiful explanation. I, yeah, I love that. It's always it's stuck with me all these years. And I um, I think it's really it's also OK. It's also OK to be a little uncomfortable with your kids questions and to keep in mind those people in your life that may act as mentors that you could say, that's a really good question. Let's, you know, who could probably answer that question really well is so-and-so or Kelly, or, you know, let's ask them the next time that we're there. Um, it's okay to defer the question onto somebody that might be a little bit more comfortable answering it. Definitely. That's beautiful. And I do think that there is something so special about getting to be the the mother receiving these questions and i i know through i mean you know my 5 years of of parenting so far it's there's there is joy in these questions and the fact that your child's coming to you and trusting you with these answers and i love the idea i try to remember that if as long as i'm not just you know word vomiting an entirely long string to a question that was really kind of simple kind of like you said asking questions in return and really figuring out what is it that you're wanting to know i have yet to experience a time where it's been too much for my daughter or mm-hmm. it's led to some far off place that i wasn't expecting right. it's right. always been very clear and comfortable that she's got a question and she trusts me to give her the correct answer. I can provide that. And I am confident in my ability to provide it in a way that is mature enough as she is, you know, not more mature, not less mature, but meeting her where she is. And I think that that, that can feel really daunting, especially as a first time mom, or maybe, you know, in your past, your parents didn't give you answers to things. And so it, feels intimidating but if we can just remember you know you you are this parent you're this child's parent and you can trust yourself and you don't have to be so scared you can give your child the answer that they need you can trust your intuition and your ability to work that conversation and just feeling the confidence that yeah you can do this yeah exactly and it is it can be definitely very daunting for parents who have mm-hmm. never had that they don't have a, a memory of having the talk with their mom or having, 
you know, or, or maybe they've had experiences where that, um, that were negative. And so they've just shied away from that completely, um, those conversations, but also keeping in mind, kids are all are going to want to know. And I always had the, the thought with my own girls that I would rather them hear it from me than anybody else. Um, I heard some crazy things growing up. And so I really, um, I would rather them hear it from me at an earlier age than to wait and they get bad information um, with it or be laughed at and then be afraid to ask any more questions. Um, and so it's really, I have one family that I've served for a number of babies and one of their daughters in particular is very, very interested in midwifery and the whole process. So with every appointment, she was right up there with me from the time, I think I must've met her when she was four. And she would be right up in there with me. She would be right there with me when we're delivering the baby. She's a part of all of it, um, wonderfully. And um, she uh, had a, she's probably 12 now. And I think about a year ago, she had been a part of a little class that was saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I'm going to be a midwife. And she, her, her, you know, her um, classmates told her that she should not want to do that, that that is really inappropriate. And she was distraught. This, this wonderful thing that had always been a part of her life, she'd always been allowed to be a part of the pregnancies and the births and the breastfeeding of all of her siblings and had been elevated in a position by me because she, her parents were right there and she was on it. You know, she just, she wanted to be a part of that. Um, it was a really hard time for her. And her mom called me and she said, could you please talk to her? She's so upset. <laughs> and so I got on the phone for a while and we talked about, you know, how that these children, these other children just didn't know. They just didn't know that she had had this great privilege of being a part of um, the world of midwifery and birth and that it was very normal and natural to her. But for these children, it wasn't. And so it was uncomfortable for them and how sad that was. Um, and so she's, she's gotta be almost 13 now and she's still right there. You know, she's, she got past it and she's, um, we're going to make a midwife of her yet. So oh, thank yeah. goodness we need more. Yeah. It's all those influences all around us, you know, and all around our children that are speaking messages into them. Um, and mm -hmm. the sooner that we give kids real and we answer their questions in a really great, healthy age appropriate way. Um, and we show them that we, um, honor them and respect them by an, including us and invite or including them and inviting them into this adult world. It, it's amazing what it does for kids. It really is amazing. It's, there's an intimacy I feel like between mothers and children when the mothers invite their children in, um, and invite them into this experience that's happening to her. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. It's, it's a very exciting part of my job. I love to go to homes and have, you know, the kids are, you know, right up there with my favorite part of the whole, you know, I have a lot of favorite parts of midwifery, but, um, the, the children just, um, they're just icing on the top of the cake. So. Mm -hmm. I have to agree with my, with my second, uh, pregnancy and birth, my oldest was two and a half and it was 
I mean, even at that young age, she was fascinated by my growing belly and she would listen with the fetoscope and she would, you know, she would rub my belly. And then once I was in labor, I have a few pictures that just forever will be my favorite. She has like a little toy that she's trying to put in the birth pool with me. <laughs> like It's just, Aww. it's the sweetest thing to see someone who, who's so young, but also so comfortable with this situation. Like this was great for her. It was almost a party. She had she had my sister come watch her, but she was in and out of the laboring room. And and I know that's not for every mom. And I know every situation doesn't feel, you know, that doesn't feel right. And that's perfectly fine. But I do, just like you said, I feel like there's so much benefit to normalizing the pregnancy, the labor, the birth, the breastfeeding. What are some of the things that you've noticed about children who are involved in these experiences? How do you think that that benefits them? Well, I think along with all the whole, you know, um, experiencing it with their mother, um, you know, I, I just, I think it just builds their self-confidence. It builds it from the time mm -hmm. that they're small to then just like that one little girl I was telling you about, it grows with them and their, um, you know, their understanding of it grows naturally too. So for instance, I had met that little girl when she was four and with every pregnancy her mom had, she was understanding more and more of this. And so it's, it, it builds in their confidence. It's, um, it's, it's teaching them this is a normal process that hopefully what it's really doing is, is educating the next generation so that once they become mothers, so that once they become, you know, when they find them, when they're expecting a baby, then um, it's just a natural thought process for them to be cared for by somebody, to be cared for well and respectfully, um, and to for it to be a wanted relationship um, that they can't wait. I had a girl come to me who had her mom had had midwifery care and had had all home births. She had been at the births and she couldn't wait for it to be her turn as an adult for her to pick her midwife and to develop that relationship with me um, and to be able to be doing what she had always watched during her childhood and had been so welcomed into. Um, and so it's really, it's about also the comfort level of now, but it's also about the comfort level of later. Um, so that once, you know, once these little children become adults of their own and they are expecting their own children, that it just becomes a very natural thing to them um, to, mm -hmm. you know, to have babies, to grow them healthily, to form relationships, to maybe it's to have their baby at home and maybe it's to have it in the hospital, but to normalize it. Um, and the more we normalize mm -hmm. it for them, um, you know, the more our society is going to normalize this process that um, that home can very well be for women who want it a very safe, viable option for childbirth. Um, and so yes. it's 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 the tip of the iceberg. And so it's really just like one child at a time type of thing. Um, but there's lots of midwives. It's not just me doing this. It's a lot of the, us out there that are all um, teaching our children and teaching the children and writing things and doing things to make them more comfortable with this process. I like to think about the fact that when I was growing up, my mom had had three C-sections and her, from her own understanding, 
they were emergent. Um, and you know, the, or the first one was, and looking back when we talk about what the doctor said, it's like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. That's a very interesting take. But, you know, because of this, I thought that I would have to have C-sections as well, that birth was just not going to work for me. That was not something that my body was going to be able to do. Um, and, you know, thank the Lord that I met somebody just, it was such a, a, a crazy situation, so unexpected, where I learned about midwifery care, and it changed my whole trajectory of, okay, well, how? What is this? You know, what is giving birth? And to think now that my children will grow up knowing that, oh, your body was designed for this, and of course, that's not to say that things can't happen and we don't need external help sometimes but but that deep knowing that your body was designed for this and it's birth is not something that we need to sit and panic and you know be in such fear over it's something that we can celebrate and and just like you said with another client that you had be genuinely excited about when it is our turn and yeah really bringing the sacredness back to this experience. That's just so beautiful. It is absolutely. And it doesn't just go for home birth. It's hospital birth too. I did a lot of mm -hmm. labor support in the hospital system for many years. And I really love doing it in the hospital. Um, it's different, definitely. But I feel like it's, you know, it's that, that our bodies are designed to do it in the hospital, at home, in the birth center, you know, and that it's not just for home birth. It's not just for children that have midwives coming into their home. Um, I hope that, you know, this book and others like it can, I, I don't want it to just be a tool to reach home birth families, but to, um, you know, to, to really be used in a bunch of different settings um, so that children, because you're right, it's not, home birth is not for everybody. And I'm not, I'm not one of those that believes that everybody should have give birth at home if they're low risk. Um, it's just for some people, that's not their, that's not their place. And so um, that they need to be in the hospital and boy, how much even better if we can, you know, normalize it. So it's even, even, it affects even more of what's happening in the hospital. And so that people know that they can also go to the hospital and have a really wonderful birth. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, and the children can know that, you know, it's different when mom goes to the hospital to have a baby, but that it's still normal and it doesn't have to be scary. Um, and that, you know, and maybe that's another book, you know, maybe that's a different book for another, um, another time, but it's, um, it's, I'm just all about, I'm just all about education. I feel like that it's just the more we know, the less frightened we are about things and the more power we have. Um, knowledge is power. And I think that it's, um, you know, if, if we start expecting normalcy with these things, then hopefully that will catch on. Um, and we also know mm -hmm. that we can ask for them to be normal. We can ask to be treated normally um, and not as high risk or and that that, you know, and so it just it goes on and on. It's just a wave. It's like a ripple that just ripples out. Um, definitely. And mm -hmm. so my my first little pebble in the in the pond is this book. Um, and hopefully there'll be others behind it. Well, and okay. So speaking of this book, this is a great way, I think clearly to help prepare children for what's to come. So 
Would you give a few other tips maybe to moms? Um, what can they do, and our families, moms and dads, what can they do to help uh, prepare their children if they are planning to have a home birth and if they want their children to be in, involved to some extent? Yeah, I think first is just letting them be there, <laughs> you know, letting them be at the, at the, mm-hmm. at the prenatal visits, uh, talking about it, um, just letting them participate. Um, and a lot of people, you know, it's interesting, a lot of people, I'm always saying that does not bother me. You know, if their child's having a temper tantrum or if they're wanting to chit chat or if they're saying they're hungry and they need something to eat or if they need help in the bathroom or they have that, this is all a part of what it's like. This is what it is. You know, you live in your home and I come into your home to, you know, live for this moment with you. And it's, I don't expect perfection and I don't expect for kids to be on their best behavior. This is where they live. And so I think it's just, um, Parents first being open to this idea of doing that this way, talking to their kids about it, getting books. There's lots of different books. Um, there's my book. There's one called Hello Baby that I really like. There's there's a number of, of children's books, but finding children's books and reading them, um, I think that's a really good idea. Um, you know, I think it's just talking. It's talking all the time with them. It's telling stories about their own you know, what they maybe know about their own birds or stories that they've heard or animal births or anything to make kids, you know, make kids, children comfortable. Um, but really, I tell you, sometimes it's, it's the kids are, the kids are easily won over. Sometimes it's the parents. <laughs> sometimes it's just making everybody comfortable, making husbands comfortable, making, you know, women comfortable. Um, and it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long, but just, just lots of exposure, inviting them along. I think that even if you have appointments at a birth center or at a, at a um, doctor's office, invite your kids to come, bring them, um, make it commonplace for children to be in public places, you know, into doctor's office, into midwives offices, into, you know, everywhere, make it, make it more commonplace that children are invited and wanted in these places. Um, I think that would go a long way, but like I said, that's probably, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. No, but children are citizens too. They should be allowed and invited to be adults. Um, my mom used to say, Mm -hmm. I'm raising you to be an adult. You'll be a child all by yourself. And it's Mm -hmm. every day we are raising children toward adulthood. And so we, you know, we want to point them in the direction, in that direction, um, that they, you know, that we want them to go or that we want, you know, that, that we want them to be comfortable as adults. And so this is one way to do it. Definitely. Oh, Kelly, this is so amazing. So your book, The Midwife's Visit, where can, uh, where can we find this? Where can moms and dads pick up a copy of this for their own families? Well, it's definitely out there on Amazon now. Um, I think it's also in a cut some targets and, it's online, you know, books a million and different things like that. You can poke around, you can Google for it. You can let me know, you know, I even have some copies here. I've sold almost all the copies I have on my website. There's a little book, you know, tab, and you can go there to see if I have some books, some available myself, probably Amazon is the best, but I'm happy to, um, sign books and send them too. I have a, have done that a lot. And so, um, that's probably the easiest, you know, that's, I think that's the answer for every book, right? Is Amazon. Well, I think this would make a perfect midwife's gift as well. If we've got moms looking, help a midwife add to her library. What a great idea. So Kelly, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I also wanted to 
people people keep asking me like well, what are you going to do next what are you going to do next and um just to kind of put it out there that i am i'm actually working on a second book that is all about birth and so it's with the same sort of illustrations the same you know it's about a family and about um a birth at home written for kids and so that'll be the next one and then maybe a newborn postpartum you know for after that so we'll see that is incredible. That sounds so amazing. I cannot wait to keep up with you and see the beautiful books that you continue to create. Thanks. Oh, Kelly, it was such an honor to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all of your wisdom. You're so welcome. Wasn't this was such a beautiful, be practical episode? I loved the kindness and comfort that Kelly shared and how to involve our children in such a beautiful, transformative experience as birth. As we head into this week's episode roundup, here are a few points I'd love to reiterate. Number one, one of the very best things we can do for our children is involve them in daily life, both the little and big events. From the daily routines like folding the laundry and washing the dishes, to the extraordinary moments of pregnancy and childbirth, to the sweet and intimate moments like feeding our babies. Allowing our children to be a part of our lives facilitates confidence and creates young ones who feel at home in our world. Number two, when answering our young children's questions, we don't have to give them a full college essay in response, but it is important to feel out what it is that they're truly wanting to know and to do our best to give a response that is at their level when possible. I love Kelly's example from Corey Ten Boom about not asking children to carry more than they can hold, but on the other end, as parents, we are their safe place to ask questions and to learn. Creating a relationship and an atmosphere that lets our children know it's okay to ask questions and to know that their parents are going to do their best to involve and include them goes such a long way when it comes to security and attachment. And finally, we can make birth preparation fun and enjoyable for our children. By involving them in the actual appointments, talking openly and often with them, and reading beautiful books like The Midwife's Visit, we let our children take part in this incredible, transformative event, giving trust to the process now and allowing that trust to grow over a lifetime so that they, too, will be excited for their own birthing experiences. This is how we change the perspective of birth in our culture, by teaching our children the truth. Be sure to pick up a copy of The Midwife's Visit. My children have asked for me to read it to them over and over, and I've got it linked for you in the show notes. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.